There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive Live talks education. We are talking education as we do on a Sunday and we have two guests in the studio today. We have ladies first. We have Christine Kritzas, who's a counselling psychologist and head of education at Lighthouse Arabia. So warm welcome, Christine. Great to have you on the programme. Thank you, Natalie. And we also have Sean Robinson, who is chief executive of BBD Education. Sean, good to have you back. Great to be on the show again. So we're talking about competition and we just had a brief chat about that uh, for a second. And I said I loved competition when I was at school. Loved it. But back in those days, I guess there wasn't the same kinds of consideration. And, you know, things have changed. I went to school quite a long time ago, I'm not afraid to say. But we are talking about competition in schools, particularly amongst children. So lots of people are concerned about the level of competition in school, whether it's a good thing. You know, I remember being told, well, you know, lots of parents were sort of saying it's the taking part that counts. Mm. You know, if it's a, a race or a sports day, it's the taking part that counts. And I was like, no, I really want to win. I, I I really want to win. And I guess that's something that stayed with me. So that suited me, but it doesn't suit everyone. Sean, what's your take as a parent and an educator in terms of competition in school? Um, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, as a as a parent, um, we're incredibly competitive with with our children. <laughs> um, it, it's it's competition's fun. Uh, it yeah. doesn't have to be something that's vicious. I think we we if, if you're from the UK, you've probably seen the movie um, Kez with the really competitive uh, mm. PE teacher. And there was also a Harry Enfield sketch as well about yeah. um, the, the competitive dad who was always putting <laughs> his child in, in, in goal and, and scoring and not letting his child uh, save the ball. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of competition. I think it brings out the best in people. And do you think, you know, it suits your kids? Can you see for some kids it might not, though? Uh, for some kids it might not. But I think you have to foster, first of all, you have to foster their confidence. Um, and I think that's where the, the, there has to be a fine balance. Um, you can't destroy someone's confidence because of competition. Um, so it's important that you build children up, um, but then instill a, a sense of, of, of competition in them by striving to get better. And uh, we all look at other people uh, as, a, as, a, as a guide for how we're doing, uh, yeah. rightly or wrongly. Mm. It's, it's, it's human nature. Um, and competition allows people uh, to build chemistry. And I also think it's I really want my children to, to be involved in a team sport. Yeah. Uh, as part of their childhood. And I think it's really important that um, you lose with your teammates and you lose with dignity. Yeah. And you learn a lot from doing that. There's a lot of lessons. Christine, I'd like to get the psycholo- psychologist uh, position from you. You're head of education at Lighthouse Arabia. And I guess, you know, Sean is talking from a parent perspective, but Sean works in education too. I mean, is it suitable for all children if it is? Let's take sport, for example. Um, there are some people with natural abilities. I used to like running, so I would win a lot of races. So I thought competition was great because I was a winner. But if I was a person that was struggling and always coming last and I was a person in class that was picked last for netball or football, that's quite difficult. It's quite difficult. Yeah, so so I, I, I agree with you. And, and I think I, I don't believe that it's competition in itself that's a good or a bad thing or a healthy or an unhealthy thing. Mm. But I think that it's a child's mindset. Um, That's what makes competition healthy or unhealthy. If a child approaches a competition or a test or an assignment or a race with a fixed 
uh, winning mindset, which mm. is very black or white, um, that can um, make the child feel that if they don't win, then well, that they, they might as well give up or that they can't handle any setbacks. They see it as a failure. Whereas if a child had to approach the same task with a growth mindset, they see failure as part of their journey to succeed. So if it is that I can't do multiplications, you know, and that I, I got two out of 10 for my multiplications test, the child with a growth mindset will turn around and say, I can't do multiplication yet. So mm. the power of yet comes in and they see that they can still learn and grow from, from, from their failures, from their setbacks. And I think it's important for um, parents as well as educators to foster the growth mindset in kids. And when we are busy looking at competition, that we are also looking at um, nurturing values alongside that. So teaching kids the value of integrity, the value of respect, the value of kindness, these values and the value of humility, these values alongside them competing will 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 will, will protect children against um, that whole stigma of being a sore loser and mm. not being able to cope with losses. You know, if, if I can lose with grace and I can win with grace, um, that can go a long way. And I don't think competition is unhealthy then. And I guess, you know, there's a lot of competition for schools to sort of show off to parents that they're great because there's lots of choice here. Let's be realistic. So lots of schools are saying we don't believe in competition. What we're going to do is award everyone a prize or a certificate so we have no winners and nobody's going home in tears and nobody feels left out. I mean, do you think, Sean, you should just get a certificate for turning up and going to school? It's just such rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, in, in maths, if you're, if you're at the bottom of the class in maths, the teacher doesn't give you the answers to make you feel like you participated in maths. So why should they do that in sport or in other activities? Um, failure is part of life. Uh, we've we've got to we we all fail at different things. So it's actually um, what Christy says is is teaching children how to uh, to be equipped to deal with failure, mm. um, and competition can be can be a, a really great driver to do that. Um, this idea that everyone should get a, a certificate for participating. I mean, it's it's it, we're, we're actually setting people up for failure by doing that. Emma, I mean, you were like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you must have a perspective on this. It is. And I, 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 was, I was pointing at me, Natalie, because I was the other end of the scale at you. You were the competitive and always won. I was the person that never got picked because oh, I Emma. was rubbish at everything. And Emma. yet they used to pick me for long distance and all the rest of it. And I'm just like, I'm coming last and I don't care. But you're absolutely right. And it's like, if you, if, if you don't fail at something, you never get better. I failed maths twice, but I was determined to pass. So I kept yeah. plugging away it until I finally passed it and if you don't if you don't get those opportunities to, fa to fail you never learn and you never get better at mm. anything and you can't just be rewarded for showing up do you th do you guys think parents also ha are a lot to blame in this as well and the over competitive parents maybe they didn't do so well at school so now they're reflecting that on their kids these days yeah, that that's also something um, to, to to watch out for. You see the the sort of the competitive dad on the touchline who's <laughs> shouting over the coach. Is that you, Sean? To, uh, it is me. Yeah, <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, that that's definitely a, a downside, and that also comes down to the manage the coach's management of the child with the parent as well. And Christine, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this because, um, obviously, Sean said lots of parents are competitive, and you know. 
you see aggressive parents shouting at team sports when these are young children involved. It doesn't need to be taken so seriously. Maybe sometimes they're talking to a referee or a teacher in an inappropriate way. But do you think on the other side, you know, maybe in Emma's case, her parents have a lot to take credit for in terms of the fact that she might have been coming last and picked last and doing long long distance running. But Emma just was happy that she was running, <laughs> so it. that she was doing it. So do you think maybe in Emma's case, her parents have had quite positive influence on the way that she looks at competition? Most definitely. I think we we it's it's a case of monkey see, monkey do. And if your parents have got a healthy relationship with competition and a healthy relationship with winning, that you will then model that yourself. And and these parents, and, and in Emma's case, um, was taught how to be resilient, how to persevere um, in the face of loss, how to get up again after falling down. And there's a Japanese proverb which I love, which is fall down seven times, stand up eight. Mm. And I think that parents in general don't want to see their kids fall down. They don't want to see their children experience failure. But I think it's important to inoculate our children to small doses of failure as well as anxiety when they're growing up. And where better to do it than in the comfort of their own homes where they can come home, they can break down and you can have a conversation with them about it and you can talk them through their loss, what happened. Um, and I think, you know, parents nowadays, you get the term snowplow snowplow parenting which is just you know smoothing the path so that kids don't experience any obstacles or failure or setbacks i think in dubai we can call it the sandplow parenting <laughs> but but you know safe to say that this is what's happening a lot and we see it a lot in private practice that parents don't want to see their kids fail and i think what happens then is we do our kids such a disservice in life because they leave the home like china teacups have you ever mm. drank out of a china teacup very you, fragile you take one sip out of that thing and it cracks and so i think we need to be able to um build a muscle of resilience teach children what to do when we do experience failure so it's not about winning or losing, but it's about teaching kids, teaching kids soft skills, mm. soft skills of perseverance, of um, never giving up, of bouncing back, how to bounce back. These are all things that are far more important than, than the win or the loss. We're, we're talking education today. Our topic is all about competitions in school. Do you think there's too many snowplow parents here in Dubai? Text us for 001. Drive Live talks education. We are talking education on Drive Live. Uh, we have two guests in the studio with us today. We have Christine Kritzas, who's a counselling psychologist and head of education at the Lighthouse Arabia. We also have Sean Robeson, who is chief executive at BBD education and we've been talking all about competition and how you get that balance right there seems to be a consensus in this room that uh, losing is good winning is good taking part is less likely to be awarded a certificate by anyone in this room but um you know we talked a little bit about losing and Sean you said you you want your kids to learn what it feels like to lose and you said particularly in team sport that this idea or this concept of losing graciously now you are a man I know that has played competitive sports. So you've learned that lesson and you're hoping to pass it on to your children, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's a really uh, important attribute to, to, to learn and also to lose with other teammates so you can mm. empathise with them. Um, when I was younger, my parents, um, they sent me to a, a basketball camp in New Jersey when I was 17. Um, and I went for three months to New Jersey. And at the start of the camp, we had to memorize all of the plays and all of the tactics yeah. out of a handbook. Um, 
And when you stepped on the court, if you made a mistake, you got substituted and you got sent home. So, Did you cry when that happened to you ever? Well, I, I look, fortunately, my coach had trained us to, to do this. So the camp went from 1,000 people to 200 people in <sighs> three days. So my parents had obviously paid for me to fly over to New Jersey, paid for the accommodation for three months. Uh, all, all, the, all the local Americans who were there, they, they got asked to leave. So it was a high stakes situation at the age How of seventeen. Seventeen, wow. right? That's... So I was in. I was. That was my first trip to America. I was there alone. Didn't have my parents there, um, and it was one of those situations where I had to. I had to succeed. Wow. So fortunately, I did it, um, and everything that I learned in that experience, I, I translate to my experience in business today. And Christine, you know, is learning to lose together, as Sean's saying, as part of a team, quite an important skill. Most definitely. I can agree with so much that Sean is saying because I, I, I played uh, field hockey at, at provincial level at school and I think it was it was it was in, in in those games that I learned a lot about how to be a team player, how to yeah. support your teammates um, and how to be there um, and to pick each other up when we when we all fail at something. I think uh, children today if 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 possible should play a team sport because it teaches you so much and in terms of becoming a good sportsman, I think one can learn that skill very quickly when you are in a team sport and it teaches you how to share things, um, how to take turns. Everything that we learn on the playground at age five keeps keeps on coming our way when we are when we are doing team sports. And there's a really famous uh, Michael Jordan uh, commercial when he talks about his failures. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the lines is, um, "I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot 300 times, and I've missed." 260 times, but everybody just remembers the ones I scored. Yeah, it's true. And, and uh, I studied Michael Jordan's psychology from a really early age. Um, and being in a situation, a really high pressure situation, where you're uh, given responsibility by your teammates and by the coach, and then you're in front of 10,000 people and you take the shot and you miss. Yeah. And you've got to then go back into the changing room and you've got to get the trust back of your teammates. You're accountable. You're accountable. Yeah. Um, so all these are real life skills that you've, you know, you are needed in in the workplace and in every industry. I was to say it's really interesting um, how a team dynamic works with the competitive lot, lot. Normally at the top of the table, I used to do facilitating for team building here for a couple of different uh, companies. So we used to kind of single out the teams to go, okay, who are your team leaders? Who are your line managers? You guys are at the bottom of the pile now. Who is like the the weakest link? in your office or whatever, and they'd single people out. And we go, okay, for these exercises, you are team leader. You get to say what everybody else does and the look of horror on everybody. But it's, it's, it's turning the dynamics on, it, on its head. And when they have to work and they suddenly have to realise that we have to work as a team to solve these puzzles, to get through these tasks, and they suddenly figure out that they have to bring up the weakest links to work. It's, it's really interesting and it's, it's life lessons. As you say, you can't, you can't go through life being the top dogs you've got to learn to play with everybody else yeah and I think in, in relation to schools parents have a have a responsibility to encourage mm. uh, these behaviors in schools and, and unless schools and teachers have the buy-in from parents yeah then it falls down it needs to be a joint effort mm-hmm. and we're talking about things like losing particularly in team sport how it builds um, you know your sense of team skills and leadership and being a team player 
But at what stage should we be introducing this kind of stuff, Christine? Because I remember being younger and playing cards with my dad. And I definitely think there were times when I was younger that he let me win. Um, And I used to race him down the street. And when I was younger, there was no way I could beat him. So he obviously let me win. So when should you start sort of saying, actually, I'm going to run as fast as I can and beat you so you understand that you're not winning all the time? I think as young as four or five years old where kids start to learn about competition and it is it is around this age that they they start to understand what competition is because they start categorizing things, because they start seeing things as bigger or smaller or faster or slower or the blue plate, the pink plate. I mean, they even categorize colors, you know, and, and they'll be very disappointed if they get the pink plate and they wanted the blue plate. But mm. it's in it's in those um, moments where there are a lot of teaching a lot of teaching can be done. A lot of learning moments can occur then. I remember being as young as six, seven, playing chess with my father and my father beating me in the mm. game. And I remember being very upset by it, but him then encouraging me to play again and you know, and, 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 and getting me to think before I move. And I think just to take, just to um, move away from this for a moment and speak about the value of chess and to teach children how to play chess. I think it's it's a wonderful game because it teaches kids about effective decision making. It teaches kids about if I'm if I make this move then then that will be the consequence. Um, it teaches kids um, to to lose gracefully, to win gracefully. Um, and I think just any board game that you you play with kids uh, where there's um, uh, cooperation that's taking place, where there's you know an an element of of that in the room can be really really helpful um, because it's a playful way for children to learn these life lessons. And you know uh, I, I think as far as participation and rewarding kids for participation is concerned, I think it has its place. I don't yeah. want I don't want to discourage schools who do practice that philosophy. I think there, there's a place for that to acknowledge kids' participation in events and their bravery in in, in trying to do something. But it becomes an issue when we we say to kids that this is what life will be like. Mm. You know, you will be awarded just for participating. Because when you go for that job interview and you don't get it one day, there's no award. Yeah, there's no one saying, oh, well, you didn't get the job, but you get something else. Aisha, you mentioned something quite funny to me last week. We've just been talking about board games and how they're good for families and they're a good way to... They're character building, aren't they? But you know a quirky story about board... Monopoly is banned somewhere. It's banned in in Buckingham Palace. The Queen does not allow Monopoly to be played, apparently. That's one of the royal rules. And I do understand that, having been in a few Monopoly battles in my lifetime. (laughs) I mean, if you've got kids, Aisha, and would you be quite comfortable now letting them, you know, understand what it feels like to lose? If you were playing, Mon- obviously your kids are too young for Monopoly, really. But no, they, they yeah, do play. They play. Uh, my daughter is eight and she does know that we sometimes play our best. And then yeah. we say, look, do you want us to go full force? Because she's eight. So sometimes when we're playing our best, she does actually win mm. now. So she's yeah. getting to that age where if we're playing cards or we're playing Monopoly, she knows sometimes she'll win and sometimes she'll lose. My boy at five will literally be in tears after tears after tears and then I sometimes just have to say do you want me to play with you and let you win and at this age he just says yes and I'm like all right come on let's go and play and let you win but, but he's got the choice though S- setting him up for failure <laughs> <laughs> fight you two have a fight but I mean 
I guess at the age your son is now, that's when he's starting to learn. He's not, you know, you're not born understanding that concept. It's quite a difficult concept to get your head around. You're like, what, well, why do I have to lose? His, his concept of fairness is, is being developed as well. Like sometimes he'll get upset if something doesn't go his way. And then I'm like, well, all you have to do is switch it around. And if someone did that to you, would you like it? Um, and sometimes he is quite good. I mean, we do practice losing. We're like, OK, this is a game we're going to play and you're going to lose. And we literally sit and play it and he loses. And then he has to say, he has to shake my hand and say that was a good game. And it's Aww. quite Aww. basic. But that's how we start practicing. And I did the same with my girl, but she was a bit younger and a bit better at it than he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes girls can get the concept a little earlier um, than boys, particularly when you're quite young and it's all about learning the skills. Um, Christine, one of the things that we think about is lots of parents here uh, are super involved in schooling, in team sports. Do you think, you know, we're seeing a lot of parents that are so protective of their children, particularly here, um, because they think, oh, well, we've not got the family support around us that we might at home. You know, I remember playing with my cousins and some of my cousins I was bigger than and, and some of my cousins were bigger than me. And you learn, you know, to have your time and your turn. But here, lots of people are missing, you know, that family support network. So there's not a safe space to sort of learn these losing uh, situations. Look, I think that families can overcompensate uh, for the fact that they don't have their immediate support system around and may want to give their children more and feel guilty that their children don't have enough. And I think what often happens is that, you know, these these kids are often overindulged, overpraised. Mm. And, and I think, you know, that in itself can become an issue. Um, it, it's one thing to, to praise a child's efforts and it's another thing to just praise everything that a child does. And I think we see the latter far too often um, in, in this part of the world and in other parts of the world. And I think, you know, p- parents need to lo- look at fostering that growth mindset in their kids. And a way to do that is to praise a child's effort, not the outcome. You know, to to if your child comes home with an A plus for a test, to be able to to, to describe the effort that went into getting that A and not just say you're, you're such a clever child mm. because if they know what they did to get the A, that's what takes them further in life. That Those are the soft skills that kids are lacking when they hit 21, 22. And so you want to foster that. You're listening to Drive Live. No Tim Elliott this week. Emma Brain is here with me. I'm Natalie Lindo-Taylor. We've got two guests in the studio today. Christine Kritzas, who's a counselling psychologist and head of education at the Lighthouse Arabia. We've also got Sean Robeson, who is chief executive of BBD Education. And we've been talking about competition and how you get that balance right. And I think, you know, we, we've all kind of shared experiences from our childhood that have made us think, mm, that was probably quite helpful. And some of that not so much. Like when you first learn how to cook, I was, you know, convinced it was important for me to make my mum dinner on Mother's Day. And my first attempt was dreadful. And, you know, like you say, Christine, my mum said, thank you for making the food. She didn't tell me that it was really nice. She just sort of said, you know, thanks for making the effort. And I appreciate it because you can't be good at everything. So you have to learn. But do you think it can affect young people's confidence if they are maybe taught the lessons of losing too early on? 
I don't think that it can it, it it can affect a child's confidence necessarily. I think that if a child is in a, a supportive space and they are learning these lessons or they have somebody who's older and wiser that can sit them down and talk them through the experience of losing that that it it can be dealt with in a very healthy way and that I don't I don't think that that in itself can break a child's confidence. I think what can break a child's confidence is putting all of their eggs in one basket. And so um, if I fail the maths test, then I feel that I'm a failure in everything. And getting them to understand that, you know, that is just one small part of the puzzle um, and that there are many other things in life that you yourself are, are, are good at. And I think that we all have key strengths and character strengths. And I think it's important that as parents, we speak to those strengths, that we don't try and force kids to become something that we want them to be, but to allow them to grow into their own. So if a child is really good at drawing and you wanting them to be a sports star, um, maybe that's not the best thing to do. Maybe it is to acknowledge that that child's strength, which is drawing. Um, So it's important that while we are looking at um, teaching kids to improve in certain areas, that we're also highlighting the strengths that they already have. And Sean, do you think uh, there's some cases here where parents are so competitive themselves and they, they, they bring that in to their child and their child might not be interested in doing some of these activities, but you've got a parent standing on the sidelines of whether it's a spelling test or whether it's a, you know, a sporting event. Do you think there's lots of competitive parents here who are so, um, you know, into the appearance and the appearance of their child doing well and being successful? Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. There's a there's a lot of that here. Um, there's a lot of parents who who cram their child's day with activities, um, uh, sometimes to the to the detriment of the child's confidence. I'm a huge believer that I think it's important for children to be bored. Um, let them be bored and let them have a bit of time to just reflect and to think. Because um, sometimes when you're bored, mm. you're actually more creative than if you're engaged. And when you say bored, <clears throat> what are we talking about here? So sort of no electronics, them having to entertain themselves. You yeah, know. yeah. Like you know, don't don't have them connected twenty four seven. You know, let them let them be alone uh, with a book. Let them let, uh, teach them mindfulness. I was actually when I spoke to my niece, uh, I was talking to my niece about social media last week in the UK. She's thirteen and she's using social media. And I said, look, I'll pay you fifty pound if you switch your phone off for a week. And for that week. Um, after school, you just read a book and you do some mindfulness and you just live in the in the moment with your friends. And she refused. She said, there's no way I can switch my phone off for a wow. week. My friends will, you know, they'll isolate Disown me, me they'll yeah. alienate me. And I was just, I was having this conversation with her. And I, I think it's really important that children do that. Um, a, w- a week for a 13-year-old, though, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> 50 quid's not bad, though, is it? Well... Your whole life revolves around your school friends and what's going on at that age. I think it's quite difficult to be the only person not involved in that. But I take the point. I mean, you might have had better chance saying I'll give you a tenner if you turn it off for tonight. I think probably, probably, (laughs) but um, I think it's I think um, this idea of failure, mindfulness, uh, competition, uh, it's all interlinked. And and if children are constantly engaged with technology and not living in the present, um, then we're actually we're, we're doing them a disservice. I see. Emma, do you think, you know, have you seen lots of examples here where Sean's sort of talking about this, where 
um, you know, your friends are talking about, well, my child goes to horse riding, my child goes to swimming class, my child goes to this, this and this. And there, uh, there's a lot of competitive parents. Yeah, there are. There are There are very much so. And I just, I just think, um, uh, like uh, Christine, you were saying before, um, a lot of parents don't necessarily play to their children's strengths. They want the children to do what they want them to do or possibly what they failed at when they were kids. I'll take my nieces as an example, the older one. Um, my sister-in-law has her doing everything from piano lessons to gymnastics. And I sit there going, when does she get the chance to just be herself and do the things that... I get that she she also loves all this stuff, but when does she get a time out just to spend time to be a child and just, as you say, Sean, to just relax and, and, and get bored and, and chill out and do nothing? I, I must say I, I loved what Sean said earlier about children need to also be bored at times and children also mm. need to... Um, feel what it feels like not to have anything to do. And I think kids today are hyper-scheduled. And it's often parents who, you know, don't want their kids to have those breaks in time where they can just sit down on the couch and do nothing. And I think boredom breeds creativity. And it's through being bored that a lot of ideas come to light. And I think that parents often overindulge kids, hyper-schedule these kids, and kids don't have the opportunity to play. Okay, and I think that that is far more important for a five-year-old, six-year-old to be outside playing and exploring in the garden than being on their phone um, inside or or being hyper-scheduled and learning how to play the skill, um, learn a skill of playing the piano. Yes, that's one thing. It's great that they can learn it from a young age, but at the same time, learning learning the skill of just being playful and curious um, that in itself can go a very long way. And Sean, what about the times in a child's life where competition is inevitable? What about things like exams? So you're talking to your child about the fact that, of course, you want them to do well, but explaining to them, you know, your aptitude might be stronger in history than it might be in science or your math maybe needs a bit of work. How do you sort of navigate that in terms of competition? Um, I think, first of all, you've got to be very, um, you've got to, build the child's confidence up so, to the point of where you can have a very open and frank conversation with them and you build on their strengths. So you find their strengths and build them up. Um, and then you look at the areas that they're perhaps not doing as well in um, and you've got to address them directly. Uh, we were talking about it off air. Um, it, in, it's part, of, part and parcel of life. We all have to take criticism from, from time to time um, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be scared of criticism or, or feedback. Yeah. Um, and I think on... on um, on on the list of items for the show, uh, one of the topics was anxiety and stress with exams. Um, it's inevitable. Uh, we're all going to be in stressful situations. We're we're, we're going to have to go through this. So it's about equipping children with uh, tools and and the right mindset uh, to to perform under pressure. Um, and I think it's a I think it's a really good skill to have. You give someone a timed exam where they have to perform a task. Uh, that's what I want my children to be doing. And Christine, would you agree with those sentiments? Most definitely. I think uh, parents need to teach kids that anxiety before a test is not a bad thing. It, it's actually a very good thing. If my child feels anxious before they write a test, it tells me one thing, that they value doing well in their schoolwork. And so I, I think it's important for kids to experience a small dose of anxiety before a test and during a test because research shows that it actually boosts performance. And so it's not only teaching kids 
just to take tests, but it's teaching them how to take tests, how to sit with difficult emotions, how to manage their anxiety when they're sitting taking that test. That in itself is far more important than um, trying to uh, mollycoddle and, you know, try and make sure that they, that they that they don't experience any anxiety because mm. that is it's part of the parcel. We have had a text in, uh, no name on this, it says, being a coach of youth rugby in Dubai's biggest rugby club, the Dubai Hurricanes, we have a great approach um, and their approach is winning is not necessity, it's a reward. And this person says it keeps the players humble in victory and respectful in defeat. It emphasises the need for effort, commitment, teamwork and willingness to learn. It also allows for maximum participation. Both of you nodding your head along to that sentiment. Sean, I yeah, mean, you yeah, are, I that, mean, is, that, that is... That's me in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be more you than if you said it yourself. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and Christine, would you agree with that? I mean, it's, it's teaching. We've talked so much about teamwork, but it's also teaching. Yeah, winning is great. It's not the be all and end all, though. I love what he said there, that winning is not a necessity, but it's a reward. And I think it's not about winning or losing. It's about winning or improving. You know, it's about the idea that... Failure is a part of success. Failure is not on the opposite end of success. And I think the sooner we realize that, the more we will approach things and try new things because we won't be scared of failure. That's all we've got time for on Drive Live Talks Education this week. Big thank you to our guest, Christine Chris, as you just heard there, is a counselling psychologist and head of education at the Lighthouse Arabia. Sean Robinson is chief executive at BBD Education. Thank you both for coming thank on the programme. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at Dubaii1038.com.